Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Thank you to Incarb for their support of this podcast episode. Visit incarb.org slash AOP and contribute to the analysis of practice survey today. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked to George Bileka. He's the CEO of Voxel Architects. They're a firm that's bringing high quality architectural design to the metaverse. Since this was our first foray into metaverse related topics, I expected some minds to be blown. George isn't an architect, but his two-year-old firm has grown to over 20 people, some of them architects. It's fascinating to listen to George talk about the differences between a traditional architecture firm that's doing work in real life and a firm that's focused on designing virtual projects. I also think George's thought process and his approach to the future of architecture and the metaverse is actually really inspiring. For this episode, our backstage guests are Boston-based architect and educator, Isra Banks. 
and Hopedale, Massachusetts-based architect and podcast host, Chris Novelli. Isra teaches at the Boston Architectural College, and she's the founder of Trivec Architects. Chris is the owner of N3 Architecture and the host of both the Empty Lots podcast and the Home Design Academy podcast. I'm curious to hear their takeaways. So let's go backstage and listen in as my co-host Catherine McPhail, Isra, Chris, and I all talk about our conversation with George Bailenka. I knew this conversation about architecture in the metaverse might challenge our thinking a little bit, but I think my brain is a little broken now. That's not necessarily a bad thing, though. I, first of all, I thought that was a really fun conversation with George. I think he has a great personality. He's super smart. I think what he does is super interesting. But what, you know, what were your big takeaways from the conversation? Well, first off, um, I'm really impressed with what he's done at such a young age, right? And it takes a lot of courage to try something um, new like that and to, to get out in front of it. So I think there's something to be said about that. And I think the conversation, not just today, but the conversation for the entire week has been really eye-opening and really uh, thought-provoking in terms of what the metaverse could be and how architects can be involved. Yeah, I'm hoping that um, that it's been eye-opening for a lot of people and it may help some some people embrace what, what's possible and what what the reason that you may want to um, design something or participate in some way in the metaverse is. Uh, I, I know that's been a hurdle for some folks. We talk all the time about designing our lives and what would we how would we design our businesses if we could do anything? And the thing about the metaverse is that it seems like, at least maybe not yet, but eventually we'll be able to do anything there. You know, so that's why to me it's so exciting. Yeah, I think I, I don't know. I think you're already there where where you can where you can design anything. You know, maybe the different like George was talking about the different sort of worlds within the metaverse, like the decentraland world, the crypto voxel world, and the sandbox world, but I think there's others out there too. You know, I think the different worlds have different parameters, I guess is, is a good way to say it. Like, I think like some of them are more Minecraft-like or boxy-like while some are, are transitioning, like we've learned on Clubhouse, some are transitioning to that high poly, you know, really uh, like very realistic modeling and, and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot that can be accomplished right now. You know what? What I'm seeing, what I'm understanding, is this is the next generation of what a web page is. You know what we might call a web page now is it's it's this immersive experience, which is which is what he talks about and and others an extension right of our of our real life and it, and it's another it's another reason that the um, Meta Residence project, which is the project that where the home is being built in Miami and it's also being built in the metaverse it's going to be sold as an nft and the owner will have both the physical and the the metaverse version of the house well yeah that's that's the idea the regulations are still not there yet to enable like to prove basically to the state that you own this like look i own this nft and you show them the phone 
they will probably not allow this. But this is what the industry is really striving to do. Because NFTs are really interesting and they're not interesting just because they are images. You know, a lot of people say, why would you pay for an NFT when you can just download the image? Well, it's not that. It's basically the code behind that image coming back to the blockchain right now is the code behind that image that is important that is the certificate of authenticity that proves that item is basically yours uh and that's why we consider nfts to be like the future of ownership uh you can all you can own a car you can own a house uh, and you can prove that through the nft that you have on your phone and either by scanning a qr code or a barcode so my question is okay you know playing devil's advocate, why? why? Why do we want that? What if you wanted all of your friends from all around the country or all around the world to, to uh, come to a birthday party or a Super Bowl party or a whatever, some gathering at your house? Well, everybody has the ability to do that in the metaverse version. And now all of a sudden it's this blending of real life and, and or, or in real skin or whatever we want to call it, real world and and metaverse and that to me is absolutely fascinating and that's the 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 article i was reading said that the home in miami is supposed to be uh auctioned in q three or four of this year uh so you know later this year this should become reality as long as they can work out the, the legalities of selling real real estate as an nft which is they're, they're, they'll be the first. The one, the one good thing about that is with this smart contract, you can put the royalties uh, or the uh, on the commission of future sales, right? You can link that to it. So I, I'm, I'm thinking that's probably more of why they did it than, than uh, the gathering point. But the gather, I mean, because the gathering can happen in the metaverse, whether your house was a replica of your real house or not, right? You know, we, we talked so this week, we talked about so many different wonderful possibilities. And Catherine, you brought up one tonight that I thought was really good with uh, a metaverse architecture studio. I strongly believe that, as I said, the metaverse will be an extension of our real life. Take, for example, COVID. We've been stuck with COVID for the past two years and we've been working from home. And I'm not even in your studio doing your podcast right now. I'm, I'm at my home. And you are at your place also, and we're doing this fully online. And you have, I had so many meetings on on Google Meet. So we are kind of already living in this in this metaverse, uh, and the virtual worlds that I'm working in are just adding a layer of interactivity to what we are already doing. And COVID, as much as it did harm, it did prove that you can actually work from home and make a living just by I, I know, working on your computer in a, in a fully digital environment. And that's why I think it's it's really important to, to acknowledge this. You know, maybe you have your projects up on the wall, right? And they can walk around and instead of going on your website and clicking, you know, projects and then info and images and, and you know, looking through, through it that way, they can walk around and they can see these different projects and maybe even the image of the project hanging on the wall is a link to that house in the metaverse where they can actually walk around it. So instead of just seeing an image, they can actually go and experience it. That I think there's yeah, so many possibilities. Chris, what if you did that with, like a before and after? So it would especially help when you're doing something like home alterations, right? Like you could go into the old one 
And then you can go into the new one and then you can really feel the difference between them. Whereas I feel like now with photography, it's hard to tell what changed or what you were responsible for, or, you know, it'll be much more immediate. I would love that. I was, I was also thinking that it could be like a client portal. So when my clients need to look at the latest plan set or when they need to look at whatever, they could go to a room that's their room. And then that would be where all the information is kind of laid out and you can get an espresso there, Jeff, wouldn't that be nice? Absolutely. And if they want to show it off to their family and friends, like they can say, Hey, come on and yeah, see that would be you know, so the new cool. house at Capper's. There is uh, one of the articles I was reading this week was about a law firm. I think it's errant Fox. Uh, I think I have that name, right. But they have opened a, a law office in the metaverse. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I, I think, you know, again, an, an example that we've heard and used is Domino's Pizza. They open a pizza shop. You can go there, um, order pizza, and a real pizza is delivered. You can order order the pizza in the metaverse, and um, and it shows, a, you know, a real pizza shows up at your real door uh, for delivery. And I, I think, you know, that's... That's already reality. It's not even, oh, is this going to happen or not? It's already there. So uh, I, I think one, yeah. a lot of, I think a lot of the struggle this week in these conversations has been trying to fit the traditional architecture business model into the metaverse where essentially none of the rules that govern the traditional architecture business model apply. And, and I, that becomes a, a big mental hurdle for a lot of us, right? So um, I, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I mean, it's okay. And, and I think you, you said this too, Catherine, earlier. It's all right. Anything is possible. So what are we going to do with this? Yeah. What I'm struggling to understand, why is a land and, and the uh, NFTs and everything, the, the whole thing is so expensive? I mean, a website would cost me, I don't know, two hundred dollars a year or so with the other services that comes with it, three hundred dollars. But like to to get a piece of land for twenty five thousand dollars, that's a big investment. Yeah, it's funny that they call it land parcel. Yeah, parcel. You know what's going to be interesting is as more of these worlds start to pop up, because you know there's going to be more of them, right? So, you know, maybe these three that George mentioned, uh, Decentraland, Sandbox, and, and whatever the other one was, um, Crypto Voxels. You know, right now the, the lands uh, in each of those three is, are, is getting really expensive. Um, and so I could see someone else creating another world where it's not, where it's less expensive and then that sort of becomes the popular one and someone else creates something and then and that becomes the popular one. And what happens is if you uh, invested $25,000 in one of the original three, and then now, now the popularity is with, with, uh, you know, world number eight or something like that. So uh, it'll be interesting. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. I'll bet you have ideas about how to improve the profession of architecture. NCARB wants to hear from you. Their ongoing analysis of practice study is your opportunity to shape the future of architecture. Share your experiences and your insights from working in architecture. 
And tell NCARB what you wish they would do better. Your feedback is important because it will help guide changes to the national experience and examination programs for architects. And it will impact what being a licensed architect could look like. Whether you're an architect or you work with architects, NCARB wants to hear from you. Make sure that your voice is heard. Contribute to the analysis of practice study today. Sign up at NCARB.org slash AOP. And now, let's get back to the conversation. Chris, you mentioned earlier about creating creating spaces for experiences. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm looking at all this, you know, almost purely through a business lens. And I, I think that's, that's the real key, right? It's, there's er, everything that I've seen or heard of is about an experience. And, you know, George says an extension of our, our actual life and the Sotheby's auction house in London now in the metaverse. I'm probably not going to Sotheby's in London. It's probably not happening, but I might go to the metaverse version of it and look at the paintings or whatever it is that they're, they're auctioning off this week. And, you know, I might experience it, um, as, as a, as a business case, I, you know, what you said, what you said earlier this week, I think is really important. What, what are the important, uh, experiences and activities and immersions related to certain businesses that might be what to focus on designing and building. Um, now I did, it was interesting. I was, I asked this purposefully once George talked about how expensive the land is, they've done all their projects for clients. None of their projects have been speculation, speculative projects. For most of our projects that we were for, we had a client, the client found us. It was just like a snowball effect. As I said, like it was just me and Landro at the operation at the start. And we built this building in CryptoVoxels. An investor saw it, he loved it, he wanted his own buildings, one, two, three, four buildings. Another one saw it, two others saw it, uh, and we decided to build a website. So we built our website and our social media presence on Twitter and on Instagram. And we became quite popular in the crypto space because there were so few people doing what we were doing at that time. There were so few people wanted to jump on board on this. And most of them ended up hiring us. So we become kind of like the premier architecture company on on the metaverse, on, on the, met, the blockchain metaverse, because I cannot say the same for Minecraft or Roblox. Our usually clientele is they're mostly really wealthy. Yeah, I mean, as I said, like most of the people that we worked in initially were, were big investors. Between 20 and 50 years old, that was our clientele. A lot of them were gamers, indeed, because they knew how to navigate a metaverse, this virtual world. And we work, as I said, with, with investors, with art collectors, a lot of art collectors, and also with companies. I think the question is, how do you find clients um, and get them to come to you and hire you so you don't have to pay the $25,000 for the, the parcel. It's kind of similar to our real life dilemma, right? I mean, we could buy land and build our own house and get people to want us to build more houses like it. If only we had the $850,000 we needed to do that, at least. Yeah. Except for in, in this metaverse world, um, 
the playing field for the designers is leveled, right? And I think I mentioned it a couple times this week. I am never going to design uh, an art museum, right? That's just not going to be in the cards for me as a sole practitioner architect, unless it's a tiny, in real life, unless it's a tiny little museum, or I'm never going to design uh, a football stadium. Um, but if I designed a football stadium and then approached Nike and said, hey, like Jeff was saying, like, here's a stadium where your customers can come and do different games and activities. And I think that there's the, there's an opportunity to do that, even if you're just a sole practitioner architect or a small firm. And all the big guys, they're off, they're off building the real stuff. So they won't even waste their time with it, right? Yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about competition, I don't think. Yeah. And to your point, Catherine, I mean, 800,000 or whatever to, you know, build, develop our own project. Right. And, and, you know, we've, we've had context and clarity live with Jonathan Siegel and, and, uh, uh, James Petty about architect as developer. And the key there is to find investors, you know, what, what's your, what's your capital stack. Um, but if we really think about that, if a parcel of land or a parcel or whatever they call it is $25,000 and I want to develop a house on that and then turn around and sell that, the return on investment, at least for the numbers that we've seen, you know, we've seen $300,000, we've seen $500,000, you know, we've seen big price tags for some of these, some of these projects. It's not saying that if I do that, I'm going to get that, that much money, but the return on investment could be much higher on a parcel that's only $25,000. So you know, back to my question during, you know, when we were live, I didn't say it this way, but what's your capital stack on the 25? You know, maybe we just need to pull together a group of investors and say, Hey, we're going to start, start doing this in the metaverse. Well, even like, even like James Petty and, um, Jonathan Seagal said, you know, they both said, start small, right. Start with a house and then develop it, sell it, and then get to something bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, you can do that in the metaverse, right? You can you can just buy a piece of land, right? Design something for it, turn it around, sell it, use the profits from that to do something bigger, you know, and, and just keep on going. So take the take the Jonathan Seagal model and, and bring it into the metaverse uh, for yourself. But are we going to? Or are we just going to say we wish we had? It's all about taking action, right? Yeah, it is. And and play that out for a minute because I I think that is. I think that's really interesting. So his Jonathan Siegel's model, start small, you know, and move up from there, um, build something that you rent so that you have a, you know, recurring income on it. So what if you designed that football stadium and you rented it to Nike for an event and you rented it to Adidas for an event, you know, that's, that's, that's way beyond small, but but again, that's that's the way my my brain works. But uh, you know, I'm looking for business cases here. And I think it it opens up it opens up possibilities for your real life. We were having a conversation about, and at one point this week, some there was a mention of of how much some things are selling for, and I'm like, this is unbelievable. And and I we got off the conversation. And I went and like working on a mudroom edition for a client who want who wants to have 15 meetings about the the types of cabinets right i'm like this is ridiculous <laughs> you know? 
I don't want to be working on this. 2012, I was speaking at a regional conference and I asked people for feedback as I was preparing for this talk. And there were people that actually said to me that using social media as an architect is unethical. And people that said, there's no way, there's no reason that an architect would need a, a, a website or a web page or however they, they said it and things along those lines. That was 2012. That was nine years ago. And Catherine, you said your first website was when? When was launched when? 2002, I got an award for my website at the time. So you you won an award. You won an award for a website in 2002. And 10 years later, people are still talking about, architects are still talking about the fact that they don't think architects would need a website, right? And now nine years later, or nine and a half, nearly 10 years later at this point, there are a lot of us having trouble getting our heads wrapped around why this would even be a thing, why this would even matter, what what it's even going to be. And I totally get that. I mean, I'm not a gamer, but I can get my, I can, I can understand the gamification piece of it. Um, I naturally look at it from a, you know, how can I make this work as a business point of view? It's here. The question is, how is it going to evolve? Um, of course, there's going to be bad things, certainly. Um, I would prefer to think, okay, how can, we, how can we bring more good things? And how can we leverage more good things, both in terms of society and cultural um, and also for business? Right. And, and, you know, to your point, Chris, this has been one of the tenets of Entree Architect since the very beginning. If you build a better business, that gives you more freedom to do better work and, and, and live a better life. As I said, like, just, just explore, just have the courage and take the time to do it. There's no such thing as I don't have time to do it. It's just you, you have to make time to do it. And who knows, maybe it will open some opportunities for you that you have never ex expected, you know. Like I'm I'm really young, guys. I'm like 25 years old and doing this full time and running a virtual architecture company. Uh, and like when, I, when people ask me what I do for a living, I just don't know what to tell them. And also 10 years, and when you look like 10 years ago, there were these people who were like, on YouTube all day long doing YouTube videos. And now YouTuber has become like a mainstream job, you know? So why can't you just become a mainstream voxel architect? I think, you know, this is, this is what we have to leverage. We're, we're on this precipice where this it's, it's already started. Have we missed the boat? No, we haven't missed the boat. We're relatively early. Relative to the other architects, we're probably way ahead just by having this conversation. But you know you're you're always going to be up against the VCs that have all the money and and drive the cost up because they're they because they can right and it drives the speculation. So the question is, how do we get creative? This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is supported by Incarb. You have the power to influence the future of how architects are educated, trained, and licensed. Take the analysis of practice survey today. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? 
If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week, and in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris. Owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day I, i i don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.